Welcome to the Mix in the Six podcast. I'm your host, Gina Marie, and thank you for tuning in to hear stories from the mix community in Toronto and beyond. This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples covered by Treaty 13. This space is all about sharing our stories, building community, and learning from one another and having fun. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome. So we are here with our money expert, Mixie Farah Turcott. And we're really excited to have her on this episode. We're going to talk about money because money is really important. I mean, it runs, well, it doesn't run our lives, but it's really important to our lives and it's important to everyone. So as mixed people, we also have to think about it. So Farah's here with us today. She's a money coach and the founder and host of the Budget Bitch podcast. It's a Canadian millennial money mindset podcast, and you are also named one of the 12 women of finance to know in 2021. That's exciting. Thank you so much for having me. I, I've honestly been looking forward to, to chatting with you for a really long time. And it's nice to also reach out to uh, more people within like the mixed community as well. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. That is so great. And how would you identify your mix? So I am Vietnamese and French. Nice. Awesome. So first of all, I want to congratulate you on 10,000 downloads. Thank you so much. Just today, actually, I just checked and now we're at 20,000. <gasps> what? So Wait I a was minute. like, hold up. <laughs> what? Okay, hold on a second. Because I the post you put up for 10,000 was not that long ago. It wasn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't believe it. It's to be even at 10,000 was super amazing. So 20,000 now is is really exciting for me that, you know, we we still continue to gain traction and people are still continuing to listen. So I'm so, so grateful. That is incredible. So wait, 10, you had 10,000 when? Gosh, it wasn't that long ago. Like I want to say like maybe a just like a couple months ago. Yeah. And then yeah. within a few months, you went up another 10,000 listens. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. So I'm really excited then to, you know, just celebrate this with you and to, and so that our community can find out more about you if they don't already know you. That's incredible. I'm so flabbergasted right now. <laughs> I'm like, we could only dream to get to 20,000. We're like happy for what we have and we are getting slowly up there. But yeah, 20,000 is fantastic. So one of the things I wanted to first touch on is, I mean, you started this podcast because you have the experience from being in debt to building some liquid money to put into investments and then create your own wealth. And I know budgeting is also something that you talk about that's really important. So how did you, well, first of all, how did you get here? Like, how did you go from being in debt to creating wealth? And then why did you want to share it? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great question. I kind of got to a point where I was honestly sick and tired of being sick and tired and I noticed myself going through 
the same sorts of thinking and situations that had gotten me to be in so much debt in the first place. And I wasn't making the changes that I needed to make in order to move forward. And I knew that too, right? And that's where you kind of are at this precipice of, okay, I either need to actually do it or nothing's going to change. So I talk about all the time how budgeting was like the very first thing that really helped me to to get on top of my financial situation. And the more I did my budgeting, stuck to it every month, noticed like that I needed to make adjustments as I went along. I noticed that it wasn't so black or white and that it was a very fluid process. Like some months are better than others. And I also noticed that at the time when I was doing all of this, that there wasn't a lot of information that was specific to Canadians. And a lot of the information that I would find was either American-based or it would be in so much jargon, like Bay Street, Wall Street jargon that I personally did not understand and I couldn't comprehend. I felt like there's no way other people, there's probably other people that are in a similar situation as me who don't really understand like stuff they might be reading on like the government of Canada website or from the different banks and so on. And that really inspired me to, to share my experience because when I was going through all of my debt, I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. I bottled it up all inside and I didn't share with anyone. And that continued to feed into my embarrassment and shame. And I didn't want anyone else to go through that alone because there, like, there are so many reasons why we get into debt or we make tough financial decisions that are not just because we didn't know any better or like it could be because we feel like we want to take out a student loan to further our earning potential. We have a tough home situation or whatever it is that we felt like we needed to make the decisions that we did. And there's so much shame that can come along with that. And I don't want people to deal with that alone. So that's kind of what got me started with coaching and also with just sharing a little bit more about my personal financial experience online. And especially I feel with those who are children of immigrants like me, for example, we're often the first in our family to experience maybe going to post-secondary, taking out student loans, buying a home, or et cetera, all these financial decisions that we don't necessarily have the help with to, or like the knowledge that has been passed down from our parents or, or communities. So yeah, I just wanted to be like an advocate and to, to be there for those like me that have gone through something similar and just make people feel a little bit less alone. Hmm, that's really nice. Yeah, I think everyone just finds their calling. It seems like this is your calling for sure, because you have that passion for helping people. So I've been thinking, like when you were talking, I was thinking about budgeting and you were talking about how that leads to obviously awareness of what you're spending on and, mm -hmm. and how you can fix things or tweak things. So I can just use myself as an example. I'm an obsessive budgeter. Like I have a budget Yay. and I look at it like first thing when I wake up and like throughout the day, like not, okay, <laughs> not, it's not always that bad, but if I'm like thinking about, you know, if I want to take time off or I want to purchase something that's like outside of my budget, how can I do that? Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time looking at my budget. 
And I think that that's really awesome. But I feel like for me, there's this place of like budgeting and almost like budgeting to like the dime of like, this is what I have and this is how I'll spend it. But then the next step of like having money to invest, how do you go from like, okay, this is my budget. This is what I have. But then going from there to actually having extra money to put into investments. Mm -hmm. Well, this is why before you start investing, having the budget there in the first place is really where you can think about or not think about, but really actually see, you know, how much money is coming in and where the money is going. And I think the one thing that is such a misconception about budgeting is that it's like, this is your budget, you have to stick to it like a robot. And, you know, there's no adjustments that are ever to be made. And that is such a misconception. And it's through, you know, working with your budget, seeing how much money you're bringing in, where the money is going out to, that you can be like, okay, well, if I have no money left over right now, after all of my expenses, that means that I don't have money to invest with, or I don't have money to put towards irregular expenses or like a trip that I want to go on, for example. And so that's when you go back to the drawing board and you're like, okay, where can I cut back expenses from? Where is the bulk of my spending coming from? Why is it coming there? You know, is it because it's the time of year? Is it because mm. it's normally like that? Like you're really asking yourself these questions to kind of gauge where you're at. And, and also like, it could also be like an income thing as well, right? Like it's the less income you're bringing in, the more difficult it can be to allocate um, money towards investments and savings. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not such, it's not always that people are not able to, to cut back anymore, or like they can't, it's actually Sorry, what am I saying? It's not that people are always overspending. It could be also that for some that they just have low income and it, it's exponentially more difficult to save and invest when you are you know, worried about having a roof over your head or putting food on your table, like actual survival when you are at a lower income too. So then you got to think about, okay, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do to get my income up so that I have the extra money to invest? Because really in terms of keeping up and beating inflation, getting ahead towards your financial future, like retirement, freedom, like investing is, is really the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. So that made me think about stories. Like I think it was Buzzfeed just, or it was maybe it was refinery 29. Actually, I um, subscribe to them and when they, you know, have a story, I'll see it. And so one of the stories, and this is very much a theme I've seen before, is, you know, woman makes $14,000 a year and turn that into buying a house, let's say. And so is that reasonable to think that someone that does not have a very big income can do these things that people with much bigger incomes see as out of reach? Is that a real thing or is that just like hyperbole? Like, what would you say? First thing, what I thought of when you just said that title is I think it sounds very clickbaity. <laughs> yes, I didn't even um, open it because I don't know exactly what it's about, but I've seen the story before. I feel like there's got to be a little bit more to that story, obviously, than, and then just what they're saying there. I think to a certain extent, especially with like some of the clients that I've worked with as well, they might not necessarily realize 
how much money they actually have and mm-hmm. what they can do with their income. Like I've worked with people who felt like they didn't very, didn't make very much money and felt like they really couldn't save or, you know, accomplish anything with, with the money that they're currently bringing in. But when working with them and showing ways to decrease their spending and showing ways in which they could reallocate their budget around that it is possible to still save and invest when you're not making a a lot of money, that being like a relative term, really. Because then there are also people making six figures, multiple six figures that struggle in debt and struggle with their spending because they aren't able to get a handle on it, even at a lower income. So Mm -hmm. yes, the title sounds a little clickbaity. However, I don't know where they live. I don't know how much a home costs in their area. I don't know if they have a spouse going in on the home with them. There's like a whole bunch of different variables that come into play there. Right. Hey, if you are sick of feeling shame or guilt for eating the foods that you want to eat and are curious about an intuitive eating approach instead, the No Bad Foods membership is the perfect fit. My name is Michelle Cordero, she, her pronouns, and I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor and anti-diet nutritionist. As a member of No Bad Foods, you'll gain access to specialized workshops and movement classes led by myself and other expert guest facilitators doing incredible work in the community. Join us for live weekly check-ins as well as a ton of intuitive eating resources. Everything is recorded, so once you join, you can check out the full dashboard of snackable information as well as the community page for asking questions, sharing recipes, and connecting to everyone in the membership. And the best part, as listeners of the Mixed in the Six podcast, I have a couple offers exclusively for you. Using the code Mixed in the Six, you'll get 30% off your first month of the membership as well as free access to my Introduction to Diet Culture workshop. This workshop will help you uncover the sneaky and harmful ways that Diet culture is impacting your life. So head to nobadfoodsmembership.com, sign up, and remember to use the code MIXED in the six. Here's to finding and uplifting your food joy while feeling nourished, energized, and super supported along the way. I cannot wait to see you there. So now, like someone like me again, who is feverish about the budget and makes good money, but then so I know, okay, let's, let, let me go back a bit. In the description to your podcast, the longer description, it says your podcast is to help serial spenders. I think I would be one of them because <laughs> <laughs> when I do find myself, cause I, I, I like my lifestyle. I like that, you know, I can go out to eat. I can do things I want to do. So I enjoy that. And then when, you know, I make extra money or I make an effort to make extra money, I can usually find something to spend it on. It's like, oh, I can get new tires for my car. I can buy some clothes. Like I am very good at finding ways to spend money. So how, like as someone like me, who's like probably could be saving more and um, working towards investing more, like that motivation to do that versus the immediate gratification of the things you can buy or the services that you can afford to now, you know, going to the spa or all the things that you can do with that money. How does that, I don't know, where does that motivation come from? Or how do you recommend you to become motivated to your clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. The thing that we need to differentiate too is that spending is not the enemy. And I think when often when we're spending on things that maybe don't necessarily align with 
our values or wh where we want to be or our goals, that can cause sometimes like a conflict inside of us. And um, that can create some like feelings of guilt sometimes. But again, spending is not the enemy. I always recommend everyone, it doesn't matter how much debt you're in to have a part of your budget that you use to spend on whatever you want every month, like no matter how big or small, just so that you don't have those feelings of deprivation, because that's inevitably when you are later on probably going to binge spend um, because you felt so deprived. But I think on one way, if you are someone that feels like you make good money, but you seem to like spend it, but you know, like there's, you know, that there's a way for you to you know, work on it is to really examine like the unexpected expenses. And I say unexpected in quotations. And I mean, like the irregular expenses, like maybe you don't get a haircut every single month. Maybe you don't go to the spa every single month, but it's an expense that you know you are going to do or like you need to get ahead of later on. But I often find that we don't think about those sorts of things when we're creating our budget. So that's why I always recommend to people to make sinking funds. These are separate accounts that you set aside money for irregular expenses. And that way, like, if I know that I'm going to go to the spa for like a full body treatment, scrub, massage, mani-pedi, like everything, I don't know, like twice a year, for example. And I know that this is going to cost me like $300 or something, then I can break that down into a monthly or bi-weekly or weekly amount that I put aside for myself in preparation for that expense. So mm -hmm. I find, yeah, it's often the irregular expenses that really catch us off guard that we are like, oh my God, where did all my money go? But we actually already knew it was coming, but we, we didn't account for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. That's so true. Cause that's the thing that happens to me is that, um, like I mentioned new tires for my car and that's something I'm currently purchasing, but I had to, you know, I knew I was going on a trip, so I wanted to have new tires to make sure that we're safe. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I have to find that money because I don't budget for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. See, like if you have a car, it's inevitable. You're going to need an oil change. You're going to need yeah. eventually new tires. You might need new brakes. You might need yeah. your fluid flush or whatever that's called. <laughs> like, but yeah. yet these are things that you don't do regularly. No. Right. So yeah. it's more likely that you're not going to really think about it until it already happened. And then you're like, yeah. Oh crap. Like I didn't think about this. So if you think about that sort of thing, then you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I can get ahead of it and prepare yeah. for it and not be yeah. like, oh crap later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that would be like next level budgeting when you really just think about all the things that you have to look after over time mm -hmm. and make space for them. So I really, yeah, that was, that was good. That's really good. So uh, this season we're talking about family and I was listening to your podcast and I really found it interesting. You talked about in one of your episodes, you talked about living in or negotiating multiple worlds, the world of your family. It's, your family come from another country, so they're immigrants to this country, and the way they see money, think about money, manage money, and then coming to Canada and dealing with kind of the expectations and the values that are kind of imposed living in this country. And like, I don't want to call it keeping up with the Joneses, but the whole idea that people around you 
in this country are doing things a certain way and your family's doing things another way and how right. to bring those together. So what does that mean exactly? And what does that like, what does that look like? Thanks for listening to this clip of our latest episode. The full conversation and all the goods is up on our Patreon. Go on in there. Check it out. You'll also see our bonus content. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.